Okay, everybody, welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and 2020 Olympic hopeful, Kava Taharian. And I am, you get 30 days free on Audible with our <laughs> <laughs> magical code, Lindsay Ellis. Uh, and today we're joined by uh, a very special guest. She's becoming increasingly less special because we've had her on so many times, but still special in our hearts, Two but not as, time. you know, the, the dopamine's sort of going away a little bit. Anyway, this wow. is the worst introduction ever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and guaranteed never again. Jenny Nicholson. Jenny Nicholson. You know what I'm saying. Wow. We're, yeah. all, we're all talking about it. Here for my last performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, that is, totally came out she, wrong. Yeah, she is deeply boring, I agree. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, the just topic mean, is so strong this oh time. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I should just go home. Oh, wait, I'm yeah. already here. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, we're going to be home because the pandemic's back, baby. Yeah, right. It's back. Uh, today, thankfully, I don't know if I should be thankful or not. It has yet to remain to be seen, but we're going to be discussing, as you guessed, The Greatest Showman, which is about... Uh, Circus, right? Mm-hmm. P.T. Barnum. Circus, yeah. P.T. Barnum. The it's only thing the I know about this. about the life of P.T. Barnum. My, my nephew Noted apparently person, likes this a lot. P.T. Barnum. <laughs> Everyone yeah. loves him. Yeah. Everybody loves this movie. Everybody loves P.T. Barnum. Mm-hmm. And he's a good guy. He's a good person. Yeah, he and uh, Tom Thumb, friends for life. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sensing sarcasm here. No, well, no. the reason I... <laughs> I'm like data. Like I have noticed yeah. when people's voices do this. <laughs> when I well, the reason I suggested Jenny come on for this is one of her uh, top mid-level uh, viewed videos is called. Uh, I believe it's something like. <laughs> That's I how hate I like to describe showman. myself. Top mid-level. <laughs> yeah, one yeah, of her middle management middle, videos. Middle viewed videos, and yeah, it's about yeah. hating it. Yeah, it was called. I hate the greatest showman more and more every day. Right. Oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm just happy there's only one movie we need to watch this time. Exactly. Last time Jenny was here, it was like eons yeah. of stuff. It's going to be quick. <laughs> it was eons of, yeah. I know that's, that's the greatest thing I can say about this greatest showman. It's short. Uh, I mm-hmm. like that. I like that it's short. Yeah, and it's uh, it's very popular. I've been hearing all of its songs on TikTok like crazy. The Zoomers love The Greatest Showman. I wonder why. Uh, yeah, Me I too. honestly wonder why, too, because usually they're the ones that are like, it's not accurate. Well, I honestly think they're like consuming the songs kind of unrelated to the musical because they're yeah. lip syncing for their own purposes with the songs. I'll, I'll share all the best TikToks when we return. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. That, I mean, I guess that makes sense because this movie is basically like a feature length born this way with a bearded yes. lady. So songs that are really good to dramatically lip sync to in some kind of cosplay for another yeah. franchise that you actually like. And state your purpose, state that you are who you are, and that's okay. Exactly. Mm, okay, I can see how that would be a positive message for, you know, the 30s and unders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, they're, very, they're much more accepting of people's, you know, individual picadillos and personalities. Yeah. And, and they're much more accepting of shitty movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is P.T. Barnum a terrible person? I don't know anything about he him. Other is. Than, He's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's pretty I, I know nothing about him. I yeah. have no clue. Well, I, I included a very, very, very brief uh, bio, but I Ooh. guess we get more into it in the second half. That could be a good primer. Actually, maybe it's funnier if Kaveh learns it after seeing the yeah. glowing depiction. Yeah, I was just say. Yeah, <laughs> incredibly, it's just such a strange thing to make a movie out of. Oh, wait, it made half a billion dollars. Anyway, yeah. notes. I thought it was going to tank when I saw the trailer. I did too. I was An like, original wow. musical about like a weird concept. It was very earnest in an era yeah. where musicals weren't really doing that. And I was like, these madmen. They were kind of like the P.T. <laughs> Barnum. And I was like the monocle wearing producer that was like, they're mad. It will never. Work. And I, I was proven a fool. Yeah, because I was like, this is like boring Moulin Rouge. It's like Moulin yeah. Rouge that Moulin looks Rouge like Junior. Yeah, it's like the Mid- top mid level Moulin Rouge. Yeah, it's like the Disney Channel version of Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Uh, and yet, here we are, okay. half a billion dollars. All right, so I'll get into it. The Greatest Showman is a 2017 film directed by Michael Gracie in his directorial debut, starring Hugh Jackman, Mac Efron. I believe that's a typo. <laughs> Oops. Zach Efron. No, it's his little it's brother. Mac, yeah, right? <laughs> they couldn't afford Zach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? They got him on discount. Uh, yeah. Zach Efron, uh, Michelle Williams, and Zendaya. It's not an adaptation of a stage musical, nor is it a jukebox musical, but features nine original songs. Wow, that's quite Those a lot. Mad Men. 
the film was quote unquote inspired by the story of P.T. Barnum's creation of Barnum's American Museum and the lives of its star attractions. I assume that it deviates greatly from what his actual story was, which is why no, it's very in quotes. accurate. I see. Again, <laughs> my data sense tells me. I mean, it's weird because it does kind of feel like a, a P.T. Barnum like propaganda piece, you know, like those yeah, the lives like of his Walt ghost Disney paid for yeah. it or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is paid for by the Barnum estate. Okay, uh, it was also the first museum to put human oddities on display as an organized freak show, and also began the modern day trend of exploiting the human body for the sake of mass entertainment. Yeah, so you can see where they'd want to make a really flat. I was going to say that that, that makes perfect sense for Hollywood, though. That's like mm-hmm. Hollywood's that on crack. Yeah, and I guess it's also kind of like an extension of our love never dies discussion that never dies. That never dies. What, because they both had freaks? Yeah, uh-huh. they're both like weirdly flattering portrayals of freak shows. Where they're liberating the, for freaks. The odd, the odd folk <laughs> go to find family. We should probably disclaim that we don't condone calling uh, deformed people freaks, but that that is what they're called in the film. So for mm. clarity's sake, we will be calling them the freaks, and we mean yeah. it in the kindest possible way. Because yeah. that is their official term, apparently. Huh? Yeah, and yeah. they're born this way. They <laughs> self-identify yeah. as freaks. Yeah, the the. Uh, <laughs> The, yeah, the Oscar-nominated song from this movie is very basically born this Wait, way. Wait, which one was Oscar? Not this is me. I this thought, is isn't me. That like a Lady yeah. Gaga wow. song. Or yeah. it's called "This Is Me." Like, yeah, this <laughs> is me. Like, I'm on the right track, baby. Yeah, this is me. Yeah, they fabricated like a fake backstory where they said like the woman that sang it was so afraid to sing it live because she's fat. And it's like, what? what? And then she's like they a didn't have those performer. In she was like a famous, no, like in real life. Oh, they were Lynn. trying to claim that she was afraid to sing it. And it was like an empowering moment. And I'm like, she's been on Broadway. She's been in like Sweeney Todd and stuff. It's like, no, she wasn't afraid to perform it. She was just acting. It's just a performance. But it needs to be inspiring. So it has yeah. to be like, she was there, so scared. There has to be a kernel of sincerity behind <laughs> yeah. the creation of this movie, mm-hmm. no matter how wrongheaded its portrayal of P.T. Barnum and his business, business practices were. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, the museum included General Tom Thumb, a 25-inch mm-hmm. tall dwarf who eventually garnered so much fame and success that Queen Victoria saw his performance twice and Twice. Abraham Lincoln personally congratulated Thumb on his wedding. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was just that Sorry. famous. Yeah. I like how it's like a fact that doesn't really mean anything. Right. <laughs> he's like, like on his oh, wedding, wow. he's like, great. Yeah. Not like on his performance, but just yeah, good job like, getting married, Congratulations bro. on your wedding. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Lincoln <laughs> once sent him a card. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Goodness. Uh, I wonder if he was invited to the wedding. At least, maybe that's why he. Maybe thanked that him was for why it. he sent a card. Yeah, yeah it was like he, he went out to the registry and got him. Like, he sent him some, some corn cob tools. I'm not buying you anything <laughs> from Bed Bath and yeah. Beyond, there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some some cord. Yeah, he bought some corn some plates cord. off the wedding registry and sent a yeah. card saying like, "Congratulations, can't make it." Can't but make it. Really Sorry. The joke, the joke here is that is in fact what Jenny got me on the oh, event oh, of my nuptials. I got yeah, every corn related item on the list. Yes, because. I had corn items on my registry because I wanted corn plates in the shape mm-hmm. of corn to put your corn on. And An amazing invention. Yeah. Everyone's laughing and writing yeah. and cornholing except Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. Every time yeah. she eats no corn. One got, yeah, she no one got me the cornhole machine, weirdly. Oh, a cornhole machine. Or a cornballer. <laughs> cornholer, sorry. No one got me the cornholer. It's probably because it's illegal in the United States. Yeah, it starts uh, fires. Soy loco All right, kids, if oh you don't God. get this, we are the freak it's not show our right problem. Now. Yeah, no, we're we're old. Is, is what it's this is an old reference. Yeah, yeah, this is boomers. This yeah. is boomers. Boomer right Might here. as well reference friends next. <laughs> right. Any, or Abraham yeah. Lincoln, anyway. Okay, so. <laughs> I love the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Okay, the Fiji mermaid and Josephine Bois de Chêne. Is this. What was her thing? I don't know. Why is don't it, you know if you put it in? The bearded lady. It says right there. She's oh, the bearded lady. The comma. Oh. I thought it was another person that was just yeah. referred to the bearded. Well, that's lady. just that's just my bad writing slash Very paraphrasing. Well. Uh, Chang and Ang, the Siamese twins. You get the idea. We don't call them Siamese twins anymore. I don't think those men were even like Siamese. Even when that was still a nationality, you could be. I don't think they qualified. I'm pretty for sure it. they were. Well, they were definitely South Asian. 
Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the film. They they just cast two like Korean guys that aren't related to each other. Yeah, yeah like close enough. <laughs> Good old Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were definitely what what we would today call Thai at the time. They were Siamese. So yeah, they, mm. that's where the term Siamese twin comes from. Yeah, it's like the, old uh, British people loved the word Siam. It was very yeah. exotic. Yeah, and also people in the 80s. But like, I, I find Chang and Aang interesting because they had so many kids by two different women. And I wow. find that very interesting. Oh, wow. So Chang, Chang had <laughs> 10 kids and Aang had 11. Ooh, oh, my he God. Beat him. Yeah. Man, Victorians were, were wild. It's an interesting time. Uh, okay. P.T. Barnum would often publish articles in newspapers claiming that his, exib- that his exhibits were fake, which in turn caused audiences to return to see for themselves. Oh. Interesting. So he's like, no, this is definitely fake news. And people were like, I'll be well, the one to determine I'll that. I'll be the judge of that. That was back during I'll be the judge of that. Now yeah. people would just take it at face value and be like, yeah, it's fake. <laughs> yeah. No, they'd be like, no, it's real. It's a conspiracy because they're trying to cover something up for Lincoln. Lincoln sent him a letter. Mm. That's why. See, it all ties in together. Lincoln's in on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Chang and Ng had slaves. SMH. Oh, what? Yeah. Canceled. Oh, my God. Chang. It just Chang. gets darker. <laughs> what about Tom Thumb? Is he still our unproblematic fave? Yeah, they're not our unproblematic faves anymore. What about Tom uh, Thumb? His hands are clean, probably. How many slaves did he have? <laughs> yeah, how many eight slaves did he have? Lincoln they liked had, him, okay? Come they on. had yeah. 18, Chang and Egg had 18 slaves, 10 of oh which were under the age of seven. Sorry, I'm skimming the Wikipedia article. And yet they somehow no... had more children than slaves. Yeah, slightly more children than slaves. Wait, how do That's they have wild. slaves if they're in the show? I feel like if they're... They lived in North Carolina. Oh, I they probably see. Okay. retired and had slaves. And had yeah, slaves they retired. Afterwards. They retired to North Carolina. Most of the freaks like cleaned up and then just like retired to farms and stuff yeah, exactly. Because like, oh, okay, like Barnum, sense. yeah, Barnum's uh, little uh, museum was quite lucrative for the folks mm-hmm. who worked there. Uh, Phineas Taylor Barnum was an American showman, businessman, and politician remembered for promoting celeb- celebrated hoaxes and for founding the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Uh, this is in, it's like he's from Connecticut or. Yeah, he yeah. was a, he was a Connecticut, he was in the Connecticut House of Representatives. I've actually oh. been to the city that uh, he started this all in. Bridgeport? Yes. I, I mean, who hasn't certain... been to Bridgeport? <laughs> Do they have any tributes? Do they have like a big brass circus statue or something? I feel no, like I've, 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 I have been to Bridgeport because there's a port there and oh. uh, and also a bridge. I feel like they had something. I truly don't remember. It was, it was quite well, that's a while where the, ago, That's where but... the Long Island Ferry is. It's how you get to Connecticut from Long Island. Mm. And apparently is the uh, where Barnum and Bailey Ringling Brothers was founded. Yeah. If you were the mayor of that town, what tribute would you make to him? Oh. Um, embezzlement. <laughs> oh. I was thinking like a themed restaurant that's circus themed, but the it's like Rainforest restaurant. Cafe. And you could have animatronic freaks and they, oh. they could like dance around. I think around. this is a great idea. Yeah. I think people would pay to go to this. You could build it anywhere. Put it in Times Square and Lindsay will eat at it immediately. Yeah. No, basically what it just needs to be a Rainforest Cafe, but exactly. like scrab out the, like scribble out the Rainforest Cafe with a Sharpie and then just put the <laughs> Barnum Cafe. Barnum Cafe, not even Circus, Barnum. He's the yeah. money maker. He's, he's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. Of the greatest showman. And it's, it's Hugh Jackman's face. It's not P.T. Barnum's face. Hey man, that'll make me eat there for sure. Yeah. Uh, this film was released seven months after Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus ceased operations. <laughs> wow, uh, good timing. Yeah. I actually, I had a, I had a friend who worked for them as a trapeze artist, and uh, it, it's interesting, like the culture within the circus and how they saw things versus like uh, everyone else. Because the main reason it shut down is because like they lost their animal or they I was gonna say it was like the their, animal cruelty kind of stuff right yeah like they, they were discontinued like really their animal acts and they were going to um you know kind of transition to a sort of Cirque du Soleil style yeah uh, I think it's still considered okay to use horses in circuses but all remaining American circuses have eliminated all other animals yeah have you guys been to the circus oh um, a while I had an uncle who was a clown I've been to circus circus <laughs> Oh, oh, I didn't. I didn't go there. <laughs> but you have yeah. never been to like the straight up like pop up traveling circus. Kind I did of as shit. a kid. I, I, I you did have as, as kids. a kid. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was at, it wasn't pop up. It was at Freedom Hall, which was, I think uh, it was like four. <laughs> but they had elephants and all that. It was like a real circus. That's yeah, pretty wild. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My trapeze friend also worked at Circus Circus at the in the trapeze in the casino. Uh, they didn't have animals there. But like, yeah, it was interesting because like the way she like she had this real indignation uh, while working for Barnum and Bailey about like the animal rights people and how they're ruining mm. everything. And I just kind of had to keep my mouth shut. 
because I just like I feel like there is absolutely no excuse to have an elephant as a performer. It's like Tiger yeah. King. They're all part of like the cult of like, it's like being Tiger there. King and it's like SeaWorld. Like anyone who's worked there, I think oh, they God, think, well, yeah. I love the whales. Like emotionally, I love them. So yeah. that's not fair. And it's like, well, I believe you that you love them, but that doesn't really change the situation. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I feel like, you know, they see the elephants, they seem fine and they seem happy. And so it's fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I, I'm glad that it's not a thing anymore. Uh, sorry, P.T. Barnum doesn't exist. But hey, at least we still have. Oh, by Cirque du Soleil. Do you remember? Did you ever do you remember One Lucky Elephant, the movie that our uh, producing teacher Lisa Lehman made? No, but I remember Water for Elephants starring Robert Pattinson. <laughs> right. Uh, I never saw that one, but One Lucky Elephant. And that film used performing elephants, which feels counterintuitive. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, this movie was about a guy who ran the circus who had an elephant that was like his buddy that he had forever. And it was about him like going through the process of letting the elephant go. To, oh, so like, it was like it was like Free Willy, but with an elephant. <gasps> yeah. I could dig it. Yeah, I could dig it. We watched it in a class. You might have, Maybe you weren't there that day, but I remember. That was also the plot of Dumbo 2019. Yes, it was. Oh, was it really? I never saw that one. What? It was free Dumbo. Yeah. It it ends with Dumbo going back to the forest. In a film that was also made after that was an issue. Yeah. (laughs) It was so bad. Oh, man. Pivot. We're talking. This episode is now about Dumbo 2019. I would love that. I'd be really excited. We started only watching one film, and now we're going to watch like every version of Dumbo and this movie. Yeah. We're going to watch Water for Elephants, One Lucky (laughs) Elephant, Dumbo, and, and finally, Greatest Showman. Uh, bafflingly, the film grossed a half a billion worldwide, making it the fifth highest grossing live action musical of all time. What? The, uh, the thirst for <laughs> this kind of Barnum film was there. Barnum would be proud. Yeah. I'm still shocked. The film received mixed reviews. Some critics like Richard Roper thought it was fun with a positive be yourself message. Others like Peter Travers described the film as a shrill blast of nothing. But I feel like that's what Peter Travers says about everything. Yeah. I just want Peter Travers approval. The only thing I know about it is that um, Sarah told me that it's it was Hugh Jackman's like passion project. I think he was like a is he like a producer yeah, on it or something? Yeah, pretty much all musicals starring Hugh Jackman are Hugh Jackman's passion project. Mm-hmm. So I think it could have been about anything. It was just pitched to him as like a musical, and He's you're like, the star. I'm in. <laughs> and he was like, "I'm gonna get this made of it kills yeah, me." Yeah, you and son he of did. a bitch, count me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, it's always weird to think of him as a musical star. I don't think I've seen him in anything. Well, you as know, a he mus- began as like his. I first do know that. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. His big break was in Oklahoma as Curly mm-hmm. in the Australian production of. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, and my I, mom saw him as Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, and I saw him as uh, the boy from Oz and the boy from Oz. I mm. can't even remember that guy's name. The boy yeah, from Oz. Is that like a yeah. Wizard of Oz musical? Uh, Oz as in Australia. Oh, Just okay. Like that Hugh makes Jackman. much more sense. Yes. It's a musical about his life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a jukebox musical about using the... It's kind of like Mamma Mia uses the music of ABBA mm-hmm. to tell an unrelated story. This uses the music of Peter Allen to tell the life story of Peter Allen. And I don't really know what Peter Allen... Ha- I mean, I wasn't familiar with any of his music other than... When you get visits in the muse in New York City. You know that one? I don't even know that one. No I would not enjoy this crazy, <laughs> But it's true. Did you see it? No. Yeah, I, saw, I saw it with Hugh Jackman and it was uh, with him personally like he was in the yeah. theater with you yeah he was sitting right next <laughs> to me we were in the balcony together <laughs> and he kept leaning over and being like watch yeah. this part <laughs> yeah, this really good <laughs> He yeah. got mad when he looked at your phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, did he? Yeah, yeah, true. He would get. He's like that kind of guy for sure. Yeah, you're not watching it. You're looking away. <laughs> yeah, he did win for best performance by a leading actor in a musical, uh, the Tony that year, 2004. Wow, he was fine. And of course, he was in. He Les danced Mis. a lot. Like that's what he does. That's my, that's my memory of that show. Is he danced? So, did you guys see this in the theater? I did. You did. I did not. You did not. But do you remember it like opening weekend or something? And you were not uh, you were not stoked on it when you saw it. I was stoked because I thought it would be a disaster Um, and (laughs) it was bad, but it wasn't like bad in a way that was particularly fun to watch. It was just kind of a wash for me. It wasn't like a fun train wreck to like laugh at. No, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's bad. But like in a pretty unremarkable way. What, What made it bad in your opinion then? Um, The story was bad. The songs are all very like it sounds like a jukebox musical because the songs, uh, almost all of them, there's like one that sounds like it's written for it. But most of them just sound like they could be on the radio and they've been repurposed to the movie because the lyrics are very like generic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, 
it doesn't even really feel like a real musical. It's just kind of like, oh, someone took a bunch of Kelly Clarkson music and like put yeah. it to a story. Like this Except is for me. like one, the one where they're in the bar, like negotiating. It feels like it's from a musical. Okay. But yeah, like, and then the, the story's most. bad. P.T. Barnum's doesn't really deserve to be lionized this way. Yeah, especially into, like just after the freaking, you know, Barnum and Bailey had closed. Yes. For, you know, animal for, abuse For, like, reasons. in disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like. I mean, at that point, this had already been production, right? Like, they had been filming yeah. it. That yeah. was just bad time. I mean, in, that was just coincidence. Way, yeah, yeah, in a way, this uh, is kind of why we had Cats, because, like, musicals weren't really, a, like, a big thing for five years, and then this randomly comes out and made half a billion dollars, and that's when the Cats engine started back up again, you know, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that gave us cats. So I guess we have, great. Uh, we have indirectly this to, thank. <laughs> to thank for that. Thanks, thanks, it's Greatest true. Showman. Uh, Lindsay, did you, but you saw it later. You did not see it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And you did. I don't like. Basically, I don't remember having like strong feelings about it because uh, I, I don't remember paying close attention to it. I think I must have been like doing something else. Uh, but like, I, I remember the musical numbers. I remember being really baffled by the. Um, born this way because they're singing it at P.T. Barnum, like in defiance. It's very strange because he's like, I don't know, forgotten his roots where he's supposed to help the underlings. Uh, It's just it's a very strange movie. It's a very bad like story of triumph over adversity because it's like it's about a man who exploits people. Mm-hmm. That's America, though. He sounds like he's a. And even just from a story perspective, it, it makes little sense that he's like the protagonist because yeah. the characters that really have an arc are like the freaks, but they're these kind of undeveloped background characters. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's like a white savior movie, but he's like a, a savior of freaks, a non freak savior <laughs> narrative. Yeah. He comes in with his dashing good looks and he's like, he's like I'm yeah. one of you now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anything right. else I should know about before we go in and watch this bad boy? Um, you should watch Hugh Jackman's mouth as part of his performance. He does this thing with his mouth the whole movie where it's like uh, diagonal and it really bothers me. Is he having a stroke? <laughs> no, he's like doing this kind of smirk the whole movie. So mm. just watch for that and enjoy, I guess. Maybe he knows that it's going to make a half a billion dollars. He's like, hey. Yeah, I think like he's just happy because <laughs> yeah. he's doing a musical. Yeah, so I think he he's like forgetting musicals. to act. Yeah, he, he, it's, he never... I feel like, in fairness, he doesn't get to do enough musicals because they always do really well yeah. when, whenever he's in them. So I'm kind of surprised he doesn't have more. Then again, maybe he's pulling a Bruno Mars and he's like, you know what? I'm going to let you guys miss me for a little while. In hindsight, why wasn't he in like Into the Woods? I feel like he would have been all up in that. Well, he, gotten him for that. he wanted to be the Phantom. Instead, we got Gerard Butler. He wanted to be the Phantom? Yeah, he desperately wanted to be the Phantom. And then I we feel got like Gerard Butler. a lateral move, honestly. I can't even Gerard imagine Butler? you, Jackman... Yeah, I think it would have been a lateral move. Wow. I mean, I've seen the name is. I've heard (laughs) Caliente. (laughs) Jesus. Well, we're going to go watch this movie. What is it on Disney Plus or something probably, right? Maybe. Good question. I don't know. I I haven't checked. It's on something. It's it's somewhere. I mean, I just watched uh, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh, how was it? I haven't Uh, watched it. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, we'll cut that part. <laughs> Given that we have a conflict of interest, we probably shouldn't say anything. Oh, but, fair enough. Uh, it definitely did the Ready Player One thing, uh, where it like incorporates every Warner Brothers property that they have the rights to. So I feel like Greatest Showman uh, is not a Warner Brothers property, or we probably would have seen it. Mm, hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna go watch the movie and I come back wait. and discuss. Jenny's very excited to see this milk toast film oh. again. Wow, you're right. It is. It is. It is on Disney Plus. Yes. Oh, it is. All right. All right. Perfect. Finally, I can use that for something. But Finally, I know people tend to ask us on Twitter a lot of like they want to know where it's streaming, so I'll throw, throw yeah. that in there. Anyway, Disney Plus, baby. Disney Plus. We're gonna watch it. Come back and discuss. This episode is sponsored by Curiosity Stream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Amazing Esfahan. In the heart of Iran is Esfahan, the most charismatic city in the entire country, and often uttered in the same breath as Baghdad, Cairo, and Constantinople. Been a long time gone, Constantinople. Why did Constantinople get the works? Hey, that's nobody's business, but you know the rest. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators, 
not debaters, procrastinators, instigators, taters, haters, freighters, or even alligators, which you see laters. So, why do you need Nebula if we've already got Curiosity Stream? Well, to be supportive for one. Uh, another reason? Nebula is a place for smaller indie education type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original, you know, that thing that I don't like to talk about, content, uh, from creators like Cat Black, Jill Barrup, and of course, the unsinkable Lindsay Ellis herself. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting CuriosityStream.com slash MusicalSplaining. And once you get the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. Woo! 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 And we're back from the flash mob of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is Greatest Showman. The celebration of the life of family man, P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum. <laughs> Bet you didn't know he was a family man. Just like Tim Allen in The Santa Claus. I've actually never seen The Santa Claus. What? You don't need to. You just saw Greatest Showman. No, is it the, the same Santa plot? Claus is a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. A Christmas it's pretty much classic. the same plot. Is it? I, it's I, not. It's the same. I'm gullible. I don't okay. know these things. No, I wrote this down on my post-it that The Greatest Showman ha- tried to have like five different morals. And yes, one of them is the workaholic dad moral, which is mm. the Santa Claus. But there are like five others and they can't fully commit to any P.T. Barnum's biggest problem as a person, his flaw, <laughs> yeah. you might say, is that he worked too hard. And he just didn't make enough time for his wife and kids. But he had you know, many he flaws realized. that went unaddressed. They had the be yourself plot, the appreciate what you have plot. The workaholic dad plot, the famous changed you plot, and the uh, is it okay to deceive people plot, and yeah. only one and of they these is they really don't, yeah, yeah, no, like they really don't uh, come down on most of those. No, really. only the workaholic dad plot is resolved, even though it's arguably the least suited to P.T. Barnum's story. Yeah, like yeah, P.T. Barnum. Family man, some he just let it get away with him. Don't worry, he he goes to her ballet practice at the end of the movie. Wait, is she a tree at the end? I'm very confused by that last. I shot. think the youngest daughter was the tree, but honestly, it was hard because they showed the girls so little, and they were just kind of like generic blonde child actresses that yeah. looked like the same. So I think maybe the starring ballerina was his older daughter who was like more into it. I'm right. not sure though. Oh, we well, should, anyway, we before we get plot, into yeah. it, yeah, we'll do a quick and dirty plot summary of The Greatest Showman. Uh, it begins with a musical number that's just like, welcome to The Greatest Show. Then, you know, and it honestly kind of slaps a little. Then prompted by nothing, he remembers childhood, I guess. And um, it flashes back to him meeting young Michelle Williams. And uh, they are childhood sweethearts. They eventually get married and he's like, I'm going to give you the greatest life, baby. And he decides to go about this by making a museum of, you know, weird shit. And it doesn't really <laughs> well, take no, first off. He's working at like some he's a soulless yeah. person in like oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. in he, an office, some kind office. of office. Did it, OK, wait, is the actor who fired him? Also, Hugh Jackman. I thought it was a mustachioed <laughs> bald man. I was yeah. like, did he just fire himself? Yeah. Is this like an Easter this egg? A meta? I was thinking it was like a Peter Pan thing where they're like the guy that plays Captain Hook plays the dad as well. Uh, I was okay. like, oh, it's oh a metaphor. God. It's also Hugh Jackman. I don't know, actually. That's a good question. It no, I don't like think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was. It looks like lame is Hugh Jackman. He creates, a, he creates a, a museum. It doesn't do well until he realizes, hey, you know what people really like? gawking at the less fortunate. So he decides to um, enlist a bunch of freaks. You forgot the part in his backstory where as a child, when he's starving, a freak gives him an apple. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's oh, well, right. We will get to that. Okay. We will get okay. to that. The inception uh, of his freak obsession. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is the quick and dirty uh, summary. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he it's hires like a bunch of, of freaks. <laughs> they, you know, party for a little while and everything's going well until he meets the screeching home wrecking harlot, Jenny Lynn who uh, almost ruins everything, you know, because she 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 wants that D. I mean, who doesn't? It's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> uh, you know, he 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 realizes what's right just in time for his museum to burn down. And everybody's you like you forgot who you exploited first, man. <laughs> we were exploited first. And he's like, yeah. And then something, something. I don't know. Uh, he he realizes he needs to spend more time with his family in the movie ends. Yes. <laughs> That's the greatest showman. I was not prepared for how abrupt the ending was. I'd already seen it, but I had really forgotten 
how quickly like he has his fall from grace and his family mad at him. And then Mm -hmm. there's no resolution. He's just sat in a bar. The freaks come into the bar and they're like, cheer up. And then they like sing a song and then it ends. Like they have all these plot threads that are like really bad. And then none of them are resolved. I mean, there's a there's a joke that I think it's supposed to be a joke where he's like investing in real estate in Manhattan's a terrible investment. Let's do a tent. And then they smash cut to a tent. The outside. And uh, oh, yeah. And then one thing I forgot to mention is like uh, Zac Efron is his business partner slash, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, his entry to high society or something. He is a character that did not exist in real life. I'm not sure who he's supposed to be. Zendaya didn't either, for that matter. Was mm. the Bailey family saying that, like, they couldn't have clearance to the Barnum and Bailey thing? Is he supposed to be Bailey? Oh. I, I don't know. I, Maybe, that's like, what the I Barnum thought. estate was like, yes, and then the Bailey estate was like, we don't want any part of this. So they're like, okay, Barnum and Carlisle or whatever. I don't, I mean, they're way out of the, like, you know, public domain. They can't. I mean, and I mean, they're real people, too. So, I yeah, they're even, people. But like, you know, they don't have like, you, direct descendants. Well, it's more just like in, in cases like this, if you want to make a movie about a historical figure, the estate, there's not a lot this, the estate can do about it. Mm. Like unless there is copyrighted material involved. Mm-hmm. Like I have seen that this is what the Joan Collins estate does is um, they get real pissy if you use footage that was not in her movies. So, mm. like, if you use any of their home videos, they like to use copyright. And that's kind of the only way, like, estates can mm. do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if it was just, like, a rights thing, there's not a lot they can do. So I genuinely, I don't even know who Bailey is. Me like, neither. I just <laughs> know the, the phrase Barnum and Bailey. But Bailey was not in this movie. It's just weird when they're like, Barnum, he's got to have a partner. You're thinking, oh, right, Barnum Mr. and Bailey. Bailey. And then mm-hmm. his name is not Bailey. And then they just show, like, Barnum Circus at the end. And you're like... Was there like a falling out before Barnum died (laughs) and Barnum's estate is like funding this film? And they're like, no, no mention of Bailey. I imagine the people that are watching this movie who like it are not really like that concerned with like historical accuracy, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not very concerned with that. It's not a documentary. (laughs) It's a musical. Yeah. They needed a a young lead actor for like the young girls in the audience to be. So apparently Mr. Bailey just ran a different circus and then they bought Uh, and eventually they merged. Yeah. And then eventually Ringling Brothers merged with them. It was just like the Viacom of yeah. circuses. They and just then they had a streaming service that they started distributing <laughs> yeah. all their stuff together with. Circus, yeah. Circus Plus. Yeah. <laughs> I would have uh, loved that instead of Zac Efron was just also running a circus. And then they yeah. just have a like boring a business merger. competing one would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that would be good. Like It's like the prestige, but it's boring circus men. That, yeah. okay. <laughs> that would be really good. As, as Jenny mentioned earlier, early in the film... Like one of the many uh, half baked threads is the like. I can't tell. (laughs) The the disabled thread, like, uh, is he an exploitative person? And the resolution seems to be like, yes, but who cares? Because we have a found family now. They don't even really unpack the exploitation angle. Instead, it's just like. You know, does he think he's better than the freaks is really what's called into question. Like, yeah, his only crime. They never unpack the circus thing. The circus is always an unquestioned good. The part that's negative is Mm. like he doesn't invite them to his parties outside of the circus. And that's what he must overcome. (laughs) But the circus is only ever like an amazing, beautiful place that these freaks can be themselves. Yeah, they're like, Um, except for the angry mob that buys a ticket to every show. (laughs) I know how that is. Every night. It's just like people in my comments, like, why are you watching it if you hate me so much? Where is this dedication charging admission? They don't have to physically walk to your tent. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Every night, every night they buy a ticket, they wait to the end of the show and then go, boo. Yeah, they're never not outside. They're never not in the audience. They're just always there. And they yell, go home. And it's like, they live here. They have a residency. They are home. (laughs) I think, I think the point is supposed to be right he just he's using them as a stepping stone for his own entrance into high society yeah but the movie can't decide if that's true or not because it's like it frames him as just like he sees the potential in them to make money for him but also to you know to be people or something because like there is a deformed woman early in the film who gives him an apple and he like i mean it's so funny because it's like obviously the film frames it as like this really sincere moment but you kind of can't help but see this like 11 year old child like look at this woman and go ka-ching like yeah (laughs) like huh huh, i could exploit that yeah (laughs) it's just bizarre because it's never like are you the kind of the master of these freaks who's like taking advantage 
because they are like second class citizens of this era. It's more just like the narrative of a lead singer who forgets about his band when the band gets huge. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's bizarre. (laughs) But like another weird thing on that level is like, there is almost this sort of, uh, implied positive representation angle because whenever the freaks first get on stage it cuts to like this kid like this I don't know paraplegic like cripple kid in the audience who looks at them and he's like wow I didn't even notice I, that there was a the kid was disabled yeah was there was the one kid and like on uh yeah in the first performance there was a kid oh. in like uh like in crutches like a tiny tim mm. so and that gives her the dream that she can one day be in a yeah, freak show he, yeah he's like maybe that could be me one day <laughs> i could be in a freak show and then everyone will gawk at me and yeah it's it's sorry i mean like it, it was this weird kind of implicit like you know how you see like you know these disney commercials with like you know the little black girl seeing shuri and on the screen and like yeah representation it was just like a very odd, like, like, yes, this is representation of the era. And I, I, I they really don't even begin to unpack that. It's just I guess very it was strange. better than being sold by your parents. I don't know who this movie is for. The it's other, the incremental other, progress, right? Step yeah. by step. It's not yeah. going to be like a revolution. Representation overnight. was very important in the 1850s <laughs> for the young cripple kids, the tiny Tims. Uh, but, there, but another weird thing is like there's this, these very obvious parallels between this and Drag Race, which I think they were very deliberately going for because that oh. was sort of like the absolute peak of Drag Race's popularity. Interesting. And, you know, the sound aesthetic is the same, you know, embracing your freak flag and letting it fly mm-hmm. and just sort of trying to like paint that veneer over the reality of 1850s freak shows. It's just very strange. I yeah. I I, I I don't know who like I it, it is very strange to me that people unironically like this movie. I mean, part of how they like avoid the negative perception of it is like when they show us the circus, we never see a real circus performance. Like we never see P.T. Barnum like the disgusting dog woman. Like instead, it's <laughs> sure. like it's only a flash mob. We only ever see music videos yeah, uh, representing the circus thematically, but like. It doesn't seem like we're diegetically seeing any like real freak shows. Yeah, and he did he did some fucked up shit that was not included in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like he he was like real big into minstrelsy, and I was because like you noticed that the audience is very multi culty, and that was a hard no. Black people were not allowed in the museum unless they were freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that part was true. And then, you know, again, that's sort of like whatever, but it sort of implies these these historical great injustices, but doesn't actually do anything with them or go there or address them. I, I also kind of feel like the, the the casting of Zendaya is also very, hmm, you know, <laughs> I feel like this was not trying to really do anything other than like be a McDonald's meal of of. Of musicals of some sort. Well, yeah, I yeah. I know that. That doesn't mean I don't think that excuses it though, because it's like because I rewatched your video, Jenny, and like one of the first things you brought, point, pointed out was like it didn't have to be about P.T. Barnum. It could have been you any know? circus. It could have been. It yeah. could have been of anyone. Like it could have been a fake circusman. It could have mm. like you know you look at Moulin Rouge and like that's a place that exists, but almost all of the characters are fictional. Mm-hmm. Like Toulouse Lautrec, it's like you know hardly in it. Like doesn't really matter how historically inaccurate he is. Mm-hmm. You know, we did. It didn't need to be a musical about like a very famous historical figure who, if you're not going to really do anything with it, you know, it may as well just be Moulin Rouge. And I think it probably would have been stronger for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it, anything is is gained by tiptoeing this weird line between magical realism and oh, but these people actually existed. Especially yeah. Jenny Lind. Holy shit. Oh, I know. Poor, and also, it even ended with like a, a heartwarming quote. Oh, yeah. Jenny oh, Lind yeah. is real. She was okay. basically like a peasant girl who was uh, elevated as like a great opera singer. She was kind of like an original cult of personality sort of influencer. Like she was almost famous oh. for being a famous opera singer. She was very talked about. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would buy like merch of her having never heard her sing because, you know, they, they didn't have like recordings of her. She would just tour So a lot of people just heard that she was like a very virtuous woman who was like beautiful and kind of a Cinderella story. So it was almost like her her narrative was like what made her so famous. But she was known for being like a philanthropist. I believe all Mm -hmm. of the money for her tour with P.T. Barnum was actually like donated. And that's why she agreed to it. 
Um, she says and, that to be like when they're about to. Yeah, make the deal I, on maybe the tour, she mentioned yeah, that. That is true. And she was never in love with P.T. Barnum. I think, in in fact, she found him kind of distasteful because he was yeah. like a huckster and like a you know he was out for profit all the time. So uh, characterizing her as like trying to steal him from his wife and then trying yeah. to sabotage his life when he kindly rejects her was like insane. Yeah, I just think because like the woman's scorned narrative is so like tired to the point that it's like funny. Mm-hmm. Like when and we she's so um, barely a character by that yeah. point too. Like when we uh, when we were like you know ten years ago when we were writing our like YA parody Awoken, like we we early on came up with this joke that the villain was going to be a woman scorned, and you never mm-hmm. find out like why she was scorned or what the <laughs> scorn was, but she everybody just describes her as like a woman scorned, <laughs> and like the fact that like it just plays into that so like shamelessly and mm-hmm. boringly and like that's bad enough but whenever you you kind of learn that like you know it's basically doing exactly what the 18 or the 19th century tabloids were doing which is just kind of it's like slandering her for daring to be like single and on the road mm-hmm. you know so she must be whoring it out to P.T. Barnum which is just kind of like again like it's you didn't need to use real characters we could have you know could have been like Dumbo we could have had like a fake 1850s yeah didn't need to go there she added so little to the plot because like you know like i said at the beginning they already had so many plots and like conflicts to ostensibly resolve and then not resolve they could have just uh not had him cheat on his wife or be framed for cheating on his wife it was very unnecessary (laughs) but he didn't cheat on his wife he didn't he refused so then it's like what was that even for it was like to create this seven minute conflict where his wife temporarily thinks he might have cheated and then they never well, really address it again. The point yeah. is that like she cheats on him so that he can it's to make his lowest go bankrupt. Point. Yeah. yeah. But the fire makes him go bankrupt. Too. Because he rejects her. That is her motivation mm-hmm. is was rejected once. So she's and she like, knows I'm the whole time he's like life. married with children and then she acts shocked that he rejects yeah. her instead of just taking it graciously. I don't necessarily uh, think that it was a good idea, but I can, I would say that I I don't think there is no reason to have done it. I think it's a very obvious marketing reason to be like, Oh, it's PT Barnum. Like that'll just get people to pay attention to something just barely enough to maybe pick up and write more about it or discuss it. But it it didn't happen. No, no, no. I'm saying in terms of the reason why you would have this happen in a film from like a studio's perspective or from like a marketing perspective is you would do that just to get people to talk about it. Even if it's wrong. Are we talking about the universe of the film or? No, no, no. I'm talking about like as you're writing, as you're, why you would make this choice is what I'm saying. I'm saying that would be like Because you're a hack. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, it's just, it's hack writing. I mean, I see why they did it. I just think it's. I don't think they even did it to be talked about, though, because I I think they just assumed they could use Jenny Lind as like a stock character that they decided they needed for whatever reason. Even yeah, though so they people are going to like mar- march out of the movie like Jenny Lind wasn't here. Yeah, yeah. Like- no, I don't think they were trying to farm controversy. I think they were basically like, oh, no one will know about Jenny Lind. We'll just use her for like the harlot that ruins his marriage. Yeah, exactly. Because every movie needs a marriage ru- ruining harlot. And then she never comes back. We, <laughs> we get no resolution to like her character. Yeah. It's odd that they give her like her long, sad song before we even know her. And then, like, they're kind of, inc- like, encouraging the idea that she has some kind of pathos, but, like, we don't really get anything there. Mm. So, yeah. what what's the point? Yeah, she, the leaves, point? she leaves and ruins his life and then is never spoken of again. And then we go back to Michelle Williams' peak interesting character. Good God. <laughs> has she just, like, basically created a career of being like, just, like, the boring other woman? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I did, I did like her. her song, though. I did like Which, that little, the waltz that she sings. What's it called? The title oh, yeah. song. I liked that it was a waltz. The did intercut you, I mean, between those three different plot the Before we go lines, any further, nice. you do know who wrote the songs. Uh, it's I, the yes. Dear Evan Hansen people, right? Yes, and La La Land people. Yeah. Right, right. I actually never saw La La Land. I managed Neither to just we. avoid it entirely. Oh yeah, we've, we've never seen La La Land. We've never seen La La Land. It's been a point of contention between us and our fans. <laughs> really? Really? Yes. <laughs> they want you to do an episode and you don't? Yes. No, no, because we don't like La La Land despite... I mean, I've seen the first, like, ten minutes of it. Oh, but. you haven't mm-hmm. seen all of La... You haven't even seen all of it? You no. poser? You've been, like, performatively hating no, it? I, I said, actually I watched it. it. No, no, no. I, I always actually, said I, I've only watched, the, like, the opening of it, or, like, the first 10, 15 minutes, and, and I shut it off. And that's the good part. Like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it gets so much worse. It gets 
<laughs> so much I hate words. it principle and based on the first 15 minutes. Yeah, I just don't like things that are about L.A. They feel very, like, uh, self-congratulatory because mm-hmm. obviously they're made by people in L.A. Yeah. yeah There's that. a reason why, yeah. Yeah, it's very, like, male novelist, like, autobiographical. It also didn't seem like it was authentically, like, a musical, so I, I wasn't into that. So I just didn't ever see it. Well, you um, should. It's really annoying. <laughs> you know, I, I also like... I mean, good. It's really good. Yeah, right. People love it. Listen, there was a scene in this movie where they're at a bar and they're drinking shots of whiskey and they're wearing cool scarves. The one where they're negotiating? Yes. And so on. That's on, the only scene on I think On principle works. for me, that's yeah. like a 10 out of 10. Scarves yeah. and a bunch of whiskey. I was well, like, well, right, they cool. cool. They're sliding stuff every, on the bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, to bring everything back to Phantom, I did think of uh, Devil Take the Hindmost <laughs> from Love Never Dies. Yeah. And how I like it really kind of made me realize, you know. Even more, just how much that scene does not work in Love Never Dies because they don't do anything with the bar. And I think that's one of the best scenes because they're actually like using shots. They're using them as like visual metaphors. And, I just think you know, about the like, choreo from the live production of uh, Love Never Dies where they, where they would just push down a chair every time they needed some kind of choreography to do. So yeah. by the end of the scene, all the chairs are lying on the floor. <laughs> that was like their only note is like whenever you see something impassioned, shove over another yeah. chair. Barstool down. Yeah, Be careful, sequence. man. You've only got four. Yeah. So make sure you meter those. Yeah. And the, yeah, the only other thing they do is like they use the bar as like the bartender goes down and then the phantom pops up. Right, and that, that was fun. Right. The was only fun. two things they do with that set are <laughs> shove down some bar stools and phantom pops up behind the bar. They like, show they're there. sliding the shots around. They're doing yeah. artful pours. Yeah, and they're doing like yeah. this weird like river dance thing with like tapping yeah. on the table mm-hmm. with like the shots that's a really and old reference and the song is yeah. like a conversation like it yeah. feels bespoke it's like one of the only songs that actually moves the plot forward yeah. a little bit because they're like that's a that's a song where uh, Hugh Jackman is negotiating with Zac Efron uh, about like hey be my partner because yeah. I want your business you know I want your high society ties because I'm nouveau riche and that really fucks with me because it's 1853 yeah. But there's also a cool shot. I think it's like halfway through the song where it jumps the line and then it goes from the bar immediately back to the circus area. Mm-hmm. And so it just transitions mm-hmm. very flawlessly into him yeah. showing him everything around. And then he sees Zendaya and it's. And then they're like. That sequence hey, is nice. Yeah. You like that sequence of the bar? Well, we you like this sequence so nice. We did it twice. Because then they do it again. <laughs> they do it again later whenever they're like, cheer up, P.T. We've lost everything, but... That's a reprise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I thought I had a couple of good sequences, though. I like that sequence. I like the tightrope sequence. I like the trapeze one, where it's Zac Efron and Zendaya. It's another, like, generic song, but I thought the choreography was, like, so romantic and beautiful. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was a fan of that one. It's like their romance itself is deeply uncompelling, but it's a very well-lit scene. As a sequence, it was, like, so nice to look at. So impressive. I like her wig. I like how pink wig. She, I, I love her pink hair. She she like ha- has this expression throughout the entire movie, like uh, she's being pinched yes. like really hard, and she's yeah. trying to act like it doesn't bother her. I mean, I also liked Jenny Lynn's songs too. Like I liked her main song that she sings, and then the one. Her that first she- one drove me crazy just because of the way they had her perform it. Mm. It reminded me. I think I've heard someone else say this, so maybe I'm I'm stealing this comparison, but. Lizzie McGuire in the Lizzie McGuire movie, whenever she has to lip sync, they show the back of her and like a green screen of an audience. And she like throws out her arms and then like wiggles her shoulders side to side to show that she's like singing really hard. (laughs) And the Jenny Lind lip sync is the same. It's lip sync. It's uh, the actress that performs Jenny Lind is not the person that sang the the song. Yeah. They just got like some random session singer. And it's like, why didn't you just cast someone who could sing or like the singer that you got could surely do this role. It's like everybody else in the movie is a singer. Why is this the one weird exception? Speaking Tom Thumb. Did you guys notice Tom Thumb? Oh my God. That was like the the worst dub I've ever seen. Yes. And okay. also I found out later that they CGI'd his mouth to okay, try to make thank it you. fit better. Oh my God. I thought I was going insane. Yes. No, that's yes. why he looks to, weird. To make him look what? Um, to try to sync it better with the dub. They CGI'd oh, wow. his mouth afterward. So he looks very uncanny when he's speaking. Yes. So why is the dub so bad? Why couldn't the dub just just match the guy talking? Yeah, you'd think they'd loop it second so the yeah. voice actor could match I do it. Kind of, I, I suspect it might be because the... The actor, actor is uh, he's like Aussie or something. Yeah, yeah he's new, yeah, and so they might just he, you know, because like 
whenever you speak with a certain accent, those vowels will his mouth you know, will move be, differently. Yeah, it will be yeah. like because like your mouth moves slightly different with a Kiwi accent than with an American accent. Uh. But in that case, they d- they could have done the inverse and like done the dialogue first and just said like try to move it to these American sounding lines or something. Maybe this just this guy just is not a not an actor for accents. Mm. I also like it's weird because I I watched an interview with him and like at first I thought oh maybe he's essentially like a body double and he's he's not interested in acting he can't yeah. act it is what it is but I watched an interview and he said he's been. Uh, acting as a hobby since he was in like preschool Mm. he's into acting so i'm like i think the average person myself included doesn't know the nationality of tom thumb wouldn't feel taken out of it if he sounded like he was from new zealand or whatever (laughs) yeah so uh, why didn't they just let him act it like did they think we'd care that his voice wasn't deep enough yeah probably i think because the joke is that Mm -hmm. you know it's it's the baby herman joke from right exactly and that feels so (laughs) what are you looking at yeah Yeah. Yeah, he called the queen's sweetheart and his hey, like sweet deep voice. Hey, yeah. It's like just let him act. I also found out he walked on his knees the whole movie. They decided oh, he wasn't yeah, short yeah. enough. Which well, they made him even strange. shorter than what he was. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, I mean, like in real life, he would have been like uh, Vern Troyer, uh, that like that type of dwarfism. Yeah, you he was Vern very, Troyer? very yeah, small. Yeah, yeah. The real yeah he, was, like, he was about two feet tall. The guy that played him was like four foot something. So yeah. he was like legally a dwarf, but not yeah, super it was, short. it was a very strange casting choice. I've am being honest because I it's like his he's face he's about like as him. he's about as tall as uh, Peter Dinklage. So yeah. it's like you know you feel like you you'd, you'd have a, if you if you're gonna go with that like if that's your cutoff then you'd have a very wide casting pool. Yeah, and also like I don't know. It's again like who cares if he's on his knees? Like he can just be kind of short. I'm not gonna be like what kind of circus movie is this? Yeah, that's not how <laughs> that's not the smallest <laughs> man I've ever seen. <laughs> He was shorter than that. Humbug. Um, another thing. Well, there was a, two more like things that like I noticed. Then I watched your video again. And I was like, ah, ah, so it wasn't just me. Hmm. Was that Chang and Ang were not identical? No, hmm. they were just two well, random were Korean men. It. They're not even brothers. They don't even appear to be related. No, <laughs> just like I'm just like wow. Like I mean. I know identical twins aren't like super common, but you'd think they could have found like, especially considering they're just like not hardly in it. You could have found some identical twins. Even their clothing wasn't conjoined for the movie. Like in some of the dance sequences, you can see daylight shining between them because they (laughs) just have their arms around each other's shoulders. It's like a very unconvincing effect. Yeah. And also the bearded lady shaves her armpits. Oh, I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Maybe she's naturally hairless there. Yeah, that's where all the hair went, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> migrated. What was the bearded yeah. lady supposed to be in her heyday? Is it literally just a woman who would put on a fake beard? No, she had a beard. Like the actual real fake, uh, the actual real bearded lady from whatever. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, bearded lady was yeah, it's in just fact a condition bearded. you can have. I think it's uh, her suitism. Yeah, it's like some some women <laughs> do have, have facial hair have like yeah. by beards. birth. I, I wasn't sure because they kept saying he's a huckster and he's a liar. I wasn't sure if it was like a... Because uh, well, the, the wolf guy is not he a thing. He enhanced was he? things, I think. Like he mm-hmm. would, uh, you know, they, he put the giant on stilts and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he would find people who already had like deformities. Mm. Her real name was Annie Jones. Uh, I, for some reason, the Wikipedia article I pasted the other thing from was like way wrong. And she just, uh, she had a form of hirsutism, which gave her a pretty voluptuous beard. Mm. And she was also a very good singer. So that was like her shtick was like, you know, like, yeah, you can touch the beard, poke it. Yeah, it's real. Now I'm going to sing a song. Yeah, same with Tom Thumb, the real Tom Thumb. I guess he would do like dramatic monologues and stuff like that. So it was like a real act. It wasn't just like you'd look at him in a cage or whatever and be like, oh, look. Mm. Like they were performers because they these people all died very wealthy, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Chang and Ang and their 18 slaves. Barnum definitely did creepily commodify like their real lives. It was kind of like a proto influencer thing in a way, because it's like if they got married, it was they'd sell tickets and it would yeah. be marketed that way. Like we found Tom Thumb, a short little lady to marry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe they'll have a tiny baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was very like, you know, there were no boundaries. I feel like that's what makes it feel so exploitative is like Tom Thumb was was cleaning up for this and probably to a degree was like, okay, fine. But you didn't feel like he was setting his own boundaries. It was always Barnum overstepping. In fact, I think the person in the in the like wedding that tickets were sold to, I think he didn't even like the woman that he married in that case. I can't remember if he like ended up living with a different woman. 
Yeah, very, very strange. But they're like, whatever, we get paid. Oh, no, I think I remember what it was. He had like a best man. Uh, Barnum wanted the whole wedding party to be little people. So I think he was really in love with the woman he married. But the whole wedding party, like the best man and stuff were like people that Tom Thumb hated. And it was just like, well, they all got to look small. We'll call it the fairy wedding. And it was like just this creepy little, you know, pageantry. Yeah. It was just like one of the OG influencer weddings. <laughs> they got paid. Michael Kors it was showed up. It's like the up. Tana and yeah. uh, whichever Paul married yeah. Tana Mojo. Yeah. They, they, pay, they, got, they paid like a lot. They got paid a lot of money for like the photos, National Enquirer. I was somewhat fascinated with... Uh, the context of this movie making a half a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. And right. thinking about like, cause so I went, so I started to read about it a little bit. So the, the release date is December 20th, 2017. Mm. And I was like trying to think about like, cause this is something you do when you write crit studies papers is you have to write like when something comes out and like historically what's going on and stuff. So the best sort of explanation I could think of for myself was, I don't think you can talk about this movie without talking about the first year of the Trump presidency and how mm. uh, I think a lot of us, I mean, I've certainly tried to block a lot of this shit out, uh, especially in that first year with how vile and abhorrent and fucking vicious things had gotten. Mm-hmm. So part of me wonders, and this is essentially a Christmas release, right? So December 20th means everybody's home. They're visiting their families, whether Looking or not for stuff to do before Christmas Day. Yes. And then also is this this is like a full family kind of thing. Everybody can mm-hmm. go see it. It's not really take a f- grandma that you're visiting. You can take all the aunts and uncles. Yeah. And also, I, I don't know how you guys felt at that time, but I remember just feeling demoralized after that first year, particularly mm-hmm. and really finding solace in like literally anything that was even like remotely about people being nice to each other. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm, I'm just sort of placing myself in this because I didn't see it when it came out, but I imagine that was probably a lot of what motivated people to go see it in droves sort of the way that they did was that like, this is something that was generally probably po- seen as positive. The message was even again, if, as shallow as it was, it was generally like an OK message. It's Christmas time. It's not offensive. Well, it also had like people incredible were legs, like, like really, really, really long legs, especially for a movie that comes out now. It spent 219 days in theater, finally closing in July. Of Which like never happens oh my anymore. God, yeah, that what? never happens anymore. Oh, my God. My theory is that's what it was. Is like I think it's I, just I'm sure the that's era. a big part of it, where it is just like, of course, people weren't really interested in being like, hmm, P.T. Barnum, huh? Because they didn't really want to think about the fact that like P.T. Barnum and Donald Trump do, in fact, have a lot <laughs> in common. Or maybe it's a little bit of a Stockholm syndrome thing, where they're like, maybe he's not so bad. Maybe he had just left the cultural awareness enough that it was like an in name only. Kind of uh-huh. thing. Like, I think a lot of people just think P.T. Barnum, circus guy. Yeah. And that's like as deep as it goes. Well, I mean, to me, what's, what's interesting <laughs> is like P.T. Barnum is like the most one of the most famous things about him, which is pro- probably not true, is the quote, uh, you know, there's a sucker born every minute. And mm-hmm. it's like a <laughs> quote that is probably falsely attributed to him, but possibly true. Uh, you know, so this is like certainly the, something he probably thought Yeah, before yeah. this before this movie came out. That was sort of like the, the most famous anecdote about him. And then you have this movie that's just like, be yourself. <laughs> I mean, and maybe that's all it needed and, to be at that time, you know, and it was interesting because what you guys were talking about, how Barnum and Bailey got shut down like six months before this, mm-hmm. in which case you would think that this would be, a, this would have been a disaster. And in fact, it goes the complete opposite direction and becomes. Yeah. Cause I think like, there was definitely like fav- some circus nostalgia. Although mm-hmm. I think most people just didn't notice that Barnum and Bailey shut down. Like, I don't I think, think it so. Just, it, it was a really very talked quiet, about. like, you know, yeah, like it wasn't fizzled. even like the fanfare of Toys R Us going out of business. It yeah. was just like a lot of people didn't notice until they Googled it because this movie came out and it's like, oh, the circus mm-hmm. actually ended. Yeah, because people yeah. don't go to traveling circuses anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I do, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like how how like low end malls are dying, but high end mm-hmm. malls are doing great. Mm-hmm. I feel like the same is true for circus where it's just like, you know, normal mom and pop circuses are dying. But uh Cirque du Soleil is like, you know, $200 a pop, you know, which is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're kind of turning into Broadway shows. Same is true in New York, too, with like the Big Apple Circus. I don't know how well it's doing, but like they were definitely trending more and more like Broadway. Yeah, I think it's also instrumental that Cirque du Soleil, like because it has the European name, it kind of 
gained this reputation of like it's something bougie families can go to yeah. because I think yeah. circuses kind of became stigmatized as like low class entertainment yeah. like everything's sleazy they're trying to get you to buy their cheap hot dogs and uh it's just kind of like you know you go there and it's like sad and it's full of carnies and yeah <laughs> uh, it does not feel like a high-end experience whereas Cirque du Soleil they charged a lot and they had like a funky European name so all the bougie families would be like oh it's like a circus yeah. I still have not seen people. love like, I feel like I go to the Beatles one. Like, it's uh, always sold out every mm. single time. I feel like I never I, got to see the Avatar one, which breaks my heart. There's an <laughs> Avatar Cirque du Soleil? Yeah, and I, it ran until, like, 2019 in Europe. If I had known, I would have flown to Europe. But it's okay. I'm, I'm, I might do a video on it someday. I've yeah. bought Maybe it on Broadway Maybe it'll come to Disney. Oh my I bet God. it'll come to Disney. Well, no, it's on Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon? I oh, sweet. You did it. All right. Oh, I don't great. own it. I just pay for a never-ending Broadway HD subscription to watch that. <laughs> We did that only for a few that. months. <laughs> no, I've I've been paying for it for over a year, and I've only watched Avatar. I've only watched Taruk, uh, the first <laughs> flight. <laughs> yeah. So my question is, do you guys think that this would have... Uh, I think this benefited from the time that it was released. I don't think this is something that even three years later, it would have gotten the numbers that it did. I, I think that's true. I think it was I a very so. dark time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think with very earnest musicals, it definitely comes and goes in like cycles of cynicism. And uh, this one happened to hit at the beginning of an uncynical trend. Mm-hmm. Same with like Disney princess movies. They come in and out right now. They're kind of on their way back out. Yeah. Sadly. Like cats, I think, destroyed the. <laughs> yeah. The, that wasn't earnest. Sincere... That was just an abomination. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like it, it just it killed uh, all of the sincerity. It's dead. It may never come back. We may never have sincerity again. Well, but In the Heights did. I was going to say well, In the Heights was it? very earnest. Did it do well then? It didn't I do great. It did okay. Yeah, no, in the oh, really? super, oh. yeah, super underperformed. It was probably also hurt by like theaters were just still kind of reopening, and it was on HBO. Yeah, no, it, that was definitely a big part of the uh, narrative. Was uh, it didn't? Uh, it was super underperformed. It only made about. Um, it hasn't made its budget back yet. Mm. Damn. Um, my big note about this movie is I just like as as much as I, I find it odd and kind of like the decision to root it in realism and also ignore history. Iffy. I, I think the biggest flaw with it is just this bizarre decision to focus on like this work life balance and that be yeah. like, why couldn't Barnum be like professor X? He didn't need to be it like, kind of have an X-Men vibe to it too, to <laughs> you know, extent. just like have, have yeah. there be like a Wolverine oh, that isn't PT Barnum. That reminds me that we got, I'd forgotten this for my first viewing totally. But um, after this is me, like just before the fire sequence, I had forgotten that we had a brief fight sequence where they use their freak powers. Oh, to right, fight. right, right, right. Like right. the fat guy runs with his belly into the, Yes. The tall guy is like hitting people with his long arms. I couldn't believe it. I had completely forgotten the yeah. sequence. I was so Is this excited. like an X-Men movie where Professor X is the protagonist? And there's a reason why yeah. Professor X is out of the movie for act three in every X-Men movie. Mm. He's just too powerful. He's too powerful. Yeah. Jenny, what's your overall? I mean, I guess you already did a video, but what, your, your summation. <laughs> you still hate it more every moment. I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> watching it, I was like surprised by how sloppy it is. I yeah. feel like in the time since I had last seen it, my brain had filled in a lot of blanks and I had forgotten how disconnected a lot of the scenes are from each other. There's so many plot mm. threads that they bring in and don't really resolve. A lot of scenes just come in abruptly. The ending is so abrupt. I couldn't even yeah. believe it. He he made his kids recital. Yeah, that was like the big. Yeah. Yeah. The, the big question. Will he make the ballet recital? And the answer is yes. Uh, I thought overall, I, I was fine with it. I didn't care. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't like offended <laughs> I think, yeah, by I'm kind of in the like, same way where I'm just like, offended is a strong word. I, I think it's like, I, I, I have a hard time mustering up an emotional reaction other than just like head shaking bemusement at its existence, <laughs> at, at its, at the creative decisions, at the fact that TikTok is obsessed with it, at the, at the flash mobs. I, you know, it's just, it, it, I think it, it is interesting just like, because my like bottomless cynicism is just like, no, this, <laughs> this no, should I, not be. <laughs> but what, what I was going to say is I, I was fine with it. Like, it's not for me, obviously, but I can absolutely see why people, 
who love musicals would love this again, particularly hey in the time hey that came out. <laughs> that, like, don't don't drag our name through the mud like that. Generally, Broadway fans. I would say like I don't know musical fans who like this movie. I don't know who yeah. likes oh, this like movie. Oh, like stage people. You're saying okay. Yeah, stage people yeah, don't like this movie. I don't think movie. theater kids are are that into it. Maybe young theater kids now. Like you know, you see on TikTok. we're seeing all the TikTok kids, right? Isn't that yeah. like everybody who's a young person? I don't know if it's the theater kids though. I, a lot of book kids love it. I don't. Yeah, it's just like it's not theater kids and it's not musical. Too many subdivisions. I don't know who's who. Yeah. I'm just like all yeah. young people are one thing to me, basically. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> if you're fair. under 25, you're all one giant lump. I don't know who you are. Fair. Anyway, it's it, it was fine. I thought there were some ni- really nice sequences. The songs were really not as bad as I th- was made to believe they were going to be. Some of them were actually kind of nice. What was your favorite? I, I think I liked the what was it called the Michelle Williams one was was the one I liked okay. best. That is that is so uh, interesting. Rope. I just thought because I was like where I'm just like, can I tap out? I just found that song so boring. I liked that it was about a tightrope. I was like, finally some circus metaphors in our circus <laughs> movie. No, but I, it's I, about time. I like the way that that sequence was cut together and sort of what the song. Where she's yeah. dancing with like a ghost of him, sort of. Yeah, and then also it's like it's him, and then they're intercutting between Lynn's performance and the circus performance. Like just mm-hmm. visually, it just sort of it flows together nicely, just in terms of being sort of. Cinema, I just have I a special allergy to nagging wife characters sure. who yeah. we're meant to feel sorry for. The, totally. the woman who's like melancholy like, and sitting at Why home. Why don't like... you pay attention to our daughters? <laughs> it's you miss the recital. I'm like, good. He's making money, bitch. Like, <laughs> she just, should be just, happy with her freedom yeah. and her big mansion. Yeah, just just let him alone. Oh, her. a husband get a side chick. My time. Yeah. What will he I can do? get a side chick. I don't care <laughs> about the sanctity of your marriage. Like, holy shit. Why? Why is this in the P.T. Barnum movie? <laughs> but I also liked, like I said, the the uh, Zac Efron and Zendaya song. I thought that was nice, and I and I liked the one again, scarves. So it automatically means mm. it's the best thing ever because there's cool scarves in that drinking sequence. Yeah, that was the best one That's in good, my yeah. opinion. Although I, I liked the trapeze choreography, I thought it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. I saw people trying to gatekeep Zendaya's. Uh, like hoop work. <laughs> I was like, damn, I found like the gatekeeping acrobats. <laughs> they were like naming all the moves and being like, she sort of rolled her wrists on that. No, I know. I know trapeze artists and that 100% tracks. Those motherfuckers are the <laughs> most Man. like a, they're so judgmental. B, they love to fuck. It's basically every circus is like the Olympic village. All they do is fuck. <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, and yeah. lastly, I just thought the context of when it came out and it being so successful is sort of interesting, just from a historical point of view of, of uh, films. Uh, so that's basically it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Jenny, once again for reinvigorating our podcast with your yeah. East, East Bay Last insights. Uh, we're going to have to <laughs> have you on again ever. and again and again now. Well, now we found a new yeah. thing. We found a new you know, yeah. No, I'm connect. still done. This is, this is my swan song. This is it. You're done. Until for we still tackle. Still reeling from the introduction. Until so. we tackle Frozen 2. Well. Oh. 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 That's how we'll do it. Well, if you're not like Jenny. She can't resist the siren song of Frozen 2. If you're not like Jenny and you enjoyed this podcast, <laughs> please leave us a good review and follow the sponsor links. Uh, if you are interested in letting us know, which I'm sure you will be interested in letting us know about your thoughts about this, please go and follow us on Twitter. We are at Musical Splaining with no G, at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. I am at Kavitarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Um, you can see me on YouTube. My name is Jenny Nicholson. And if you type that, you can go to my channel, watch my content. Oh, and uh, make sure, yeah, make sure <laughs> make sure to pre-order my book so you guys can all hear Kave After Dark. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I got a copy of it right re- here. It's gonna be really sleazy. Ooh, mine's yes. on my shelf in another. Just room. to give you a preview, yeah. Truth yeah. of the Divine. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Much baby. More like that. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's that's gonna he's gonna like read it like Columbo. It's gonna be really <laughs> No, I'm gonna be Job in a club yeah. sauce. That's yeah. all I'm gonna do. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> uh, there anyway. are, yeah, I will say there are multiple arrested arrested development references all right, that you'll get through. Yeah. So right. you're welcome, <laughs> audience and comic. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the streaming service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love this pandemic. <laughs>